the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at PastorScott at KKLA.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. And now, here's Pastor Scott. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. 888-528-2557 is the number. 888-528-2557 is the number. We talk about the issues of the day. From a Christian perspective, I hope that you are uh, doing well recovering from uh, the Halloween and we're already into November. Thanksgiving is 21 days away. I like Thanksgiving. I like it. I think it's my favorite. I don't know if it's everybody's favorite, but it, it's my favorite when there's a good gathering of of people and you have a good time and somebody does well on the turkey and and all of that. So I'm I'm excited. I like it that it's early. Then you get a little bit more time between Thanksgiving and the Christmas holiday. It's all good. Uh, 888-528-2557. What constitutes hate? It's an interesting question because we're kind of uh, in a time where we really, I think, have to confront that in, in some ways because we've we've moved to a place where somebody disagreeing with somebody else, they're a hater, right? And suddenly they're because, you know, you just have a different opinion about something politically. Like you think that Christmas is, is uh, you, you don't like Thanksgiving. And I just said, I love Thanksgiving and you don't like Thanksgiving, uh, then I must be a hater, you know, or maybe I think you're a hater because you don't like Thanksgiving, right? We've We've taken that word and we have turned it into something that's a clever lyric in a Taylor Swift song. Um, But now we're confronted with what we're seeing on our campuses. We're seeing anti-Semitic hate in particular around the world. Uh, In London, they are showing, this is the city of London, Metropolitan Police say the increase in anti-Semitic hate crimes against Jewish people have gone up 1,350% just in the past month. Uh, in fact, just in the weeks uh, October uh, 7th through uh, the 18th. That's incredible. Um, what about uh, Islamic um, Muslim hate crimes up 140%? Uh, so 1,350% uh, versus 140%. We have people who hate – that's in London. I think it's a very similar number. I've seen in the United States about 388%. Uh, for um, anti-Semitism going up. And, of course, we're seeing that all over the place. The mayor of Los Angeles had to uh, put out a statement about it. We're seeing that in uh, different parts of the world today. How do you define what that really is versus a disagreement? And what's making me think about it, I actually saw this during the show yesterday, during a break, I was looking at some news, and I, you know, it, I really always take a look at these things before talking about it as much as I can. Um, but I was stunned at this, so stunned that I thought maybe it was one of those fakes. You know, in the last hour, we had uh, some of the fake AI stuff of a politician. And I thought maybe this was fake. Suddenly, I see a picture of uh, Vice President Kamala Harris sitting at a desk and kind of looking Oval office which they do on purpose. And I understand that because um, I don't think my opinion, all right, is that Biden will not be on the ballot next fall. 
and it's either going to be her or she might actually be the president. That's not out of the question. Um, or it's going to be Gavin Newsom or it's going to be some other Democrat. I think that is more than likely. That's Scott Furrow's opinion. You can hate me, I guess, if you don't agree with that. But part of what I think they're obviously doing is they want to present her presidentially, and that's what anybody would do in that case. So she got the flag behind her and the seal of the vice president and a sort of oval office her sitting at a desk making this speech. And uh, here's what she said. Our nation was founded on the fundamental principle that all people should have the freedom to live to worship, and to be, without fear of violence or persecution. Every person has the right to live safe from violence, hate, and bigotry. And for those reasons and so many more, President Joe Biden and I have a duty, not only to keep the people of our nation safe, but to condemn unequivocally and forcefully all forms of hate. Since we took office, President Biden and I have fought to uphold that duty. Over the past decade, America has seen a rise in attacks on houses of worship. So in response, we expanded funding to protect houses of worship from violence. After a surge in hate during the pandemic, in particular anti-Asian hate, President Biden signed the COVID-19 Hate Crimes Act to improve the reporting of hate crimes and to ensure hate crimes are investigated quickly and thoroughly. Earlier this year, in response to an historic rise in anti-Semitic attacks, we also released the first national strategy to counter anti-Semitism. And to make clear, taking on hate is a national priority. President Biden and I held the first White House summit to address hate-fueled violence And we brought together religious leaders, community leaders, and survivors to continue our work to keep all Americans safe. So I'm I'm watching this and I'm going, okay, all right, we're going to address uh, the uptick and all these uh, protests and the hateful statements. You know, it's and particularly against Jews and the fact that what we are seeing is is pretty severe. And I would expect that there's other hate groups and other things going on. And I read an article about where sort of the, the white supremacist uh, gang uh, of people are feeling left out because they're not a part of these uh, anti-Israel um, marches that are going on in the college campuses and in all of our cities and where they were trying to get involved with it. Uh, so about 40 white supremacists and from some particular group, okay, actual white supremacists, uh, not just somebody who thinks math is important, but an actual white supremacist group that is evil, that is scary. There's some of these groups that are that exist and they're very scary, usually considered right wing. Um, and they're bringing their Nazi flags and stuff, and they're trying to join in with the Palestinian people. The problem for that group is they don't really like Palestinians either, so they don't—they just hate you know anybody. Um, but it's what's happening to them is they are dwarfed in size and in scale, and in hate speech. And the article, and there was a, a real interesting article in the uh, opinion piece in the Washington Post. Okay, so the liberal Washington Post um, about how. Uh, anti-Semitism on the left needs to be called out, not just anti-Semitism on the right. And as we've talked about on the show, it is on the right and left, okay? But the numbers right now that we're seeing overwhelmingly is leftist stuff that is institutional. It's with power. It's a, it is a very scary time if you're a Jewish person in particular in the country. And I think we're seeing that, right? Where there was a student arrested from Columbia for posting anonymously murderous messages about how as how students need to kill Jews like it was brutal so badly he's gotten arrested 
Okay, this is a, a student who was a math tutor or something uh, at Columbia, and we're seeing this. Okay, so it's a huge deal. Hopefully, you're disturbed by a lot of the statements and sentiment. It's it's one thing to say we care about uh, what's happening over there, and we care about the innocent people dying. That's important. But I saw somebody, for example, with a sign. And uh, this is a student in one of these protests, and I've seen the sign several times. Um, and she's holding up this sign, and what the sign says is, the rocks and trees will cry out. That's what the sign says. And it had a picture of sort of a grassy area with a tree and then a couple of stones that were sitting there. And the rocks and trees will cry out. And I think that that if you didn't know what that's from, what you would say is, well, she's talking about the – you know, injustices in the world that even nature would cry out. You know, even Jesus said, you know, uh, on uh, uh, the first Palm Sundays, he's coming into Jerusalem. If they don't praise me, these rocks will cry out. There's a, a Middle Eastern notion about the, uh, the, the nature crying out uh, for justice and things like that. So you might be tempted to think that's what the sign means. But here's actually what it means. You ready for this? In the Hamas charter, okay, this is the document where Hamas says who they are. It says this, the day of judgment will not come until Muslims fight Jews and kill them. Then the Jews will hide behind rocks and trees and the rocks and trees will cry out, O Muslim, there is a Jew hiding behind me, come and kill him. So the signs that these students are holding when it says the rocks and trees will cry out, that's what the sign says, what it's referring to is the rocks and trees are crying out, there's a Jew hiding behind me, come and kill him. That is, it is a murderous, sick message, no matter where you stand on this issue. And I look at that and I want to say, you know, to the student, do you know what that's from or did somebody just hand you this, you're right? But once you've been informed, you got to get away from that. So we have that level of hatred and animosity and just murderous statements. And so even the Washington Post is pointing this out, and and it's a big deal in our country. So I thought what we're going to get from the vice president was some statements about that, which we we need. And she gives this statement about the rise of hate in our country, and she's right. In fact, some of the things she mentioned, that happened last spring that they were addressing that, because anti-Semitism in particular has been rising long before uh, October 7th. Um, And then I thought she was going to make some kind of announcement addressing the student issue. And this is what she said. And today we take another important step forward in our fight against hate. For years, Muslims in America and those perceived to be Muslim have endured a disproportionate number of hate-fueled attacks. As a result of the Hamas terrorist attack in Israel and the humanitarian crisis in Gaza, we have seen an uptick in anti-Palestinian, anti-Arab, anti-Semitic, and Islamophobic incidents across America, including the brutal attack of a Palestinian-American woman who is Muslim and the killing of her six-year-old son. And that's true, by the way. There was a terrible murder uh, in Michigan. Some guy went and killed this uh, little kid um, in the name of uh, that they were Palestinians. And it's gross. He's arrested. He needs to be in prison the rest of his life. Uh, and uh, that incident did happen. A senseless act of violence that the Department of Justice is investigating as a hate crime. For so many people in our nation, the past few days and weeks have brought about all too familiar fears. Fears that they will be targeted, profiled, or attacked simply because of who they are, how they worship, or how they look. And so today, I am proud to announce the Biden-Harris administration 
will develop our nation's first national strategy to counter Islamophobia. This strategy will be a comprehensive and detailed plan to protect Muslims and those perceived to be Muslim from hate, bigotry, and violence, and to address the concern that some government policies may discriminate against Muslims. So, you know, they're getting uh, hit pretty hard because of this. And it isn't that there is not been an increase, uh, you know, I think of Islamophobia, but have you seen large groups of students or other groups marchings in the street saying, let's kill Muslims? Uh, let's let's uh, and attacking Muslims in our maybe it is happening. You know, maybe I just haven't seen it. Maybe it's not there on the news. But, you know, what I was expecting her to say is something about how we have to deal with our educational system, that we have taught the wrong thing. I guess I wasn't expecting her to say it, but it's what she should say. I was stunned that this is the reason until I realized the politics of it. And the politics of it is uh, the state of Michigan is very close. we got an election coming up, and uh, Muslim voters are about 140,000 uh, probably Democrat votes in the state of Michigan, and uh, the margin of victory for Biden was 150,000. So there's that. Um, and I don't want to belittle what happens there, but it raised the question to me, what's hate? What is going to be called Islamophobia in this? And if we're not going to address from that level what's happening with uh, these protests and the chance for killing Jews over and over again in all these ways. How is hate going to be defined? How do we define what hate is versus uh, just speaking uh, the truth? What do you think? What is, how do you define it? 888-528-2557. This is the Pastor Scott Show, 888-528-2557. Bob in the City of Industry, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Hey, how you doing, Pastor Scott? I'm good, Bob. How are you? I'm doing good. So we just heard the Kamala Harris diatribe, and uh, as far as I'm concerned, that was one of the greatest hate speeches I've heard uh, in a while coming from the White House. It's just so uh, – um, it's just very tone deaf of what's happening right now, right? It's just shocking, well, really. It, 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 yeah, the other thing was she says senseless act of violence, okay? The guy was a Muslim who killed this innocent kid, right? No, I think uh, – no, no, he, was, it, he wasn't a Muslim. He killed him because he's a Muslim. That that you know her her description oh, of that killed somebody. yeah her description oh, okay. of that is correct oh. that is what happened oh okay oh okay all right well I, I stand corrected then I was thinking it was the other way around because no, no. the other way the other way around when Muslims kill people which they do terrorists Hamas I mean this is well documented what they've done and what they do it's not a senseless act of violence it's a religious act of violence for for Islam is not a religion in the sense that it's more of a political movement. And this is historically validated all through history. And every single Christian listening to this radio station or whatever, um, every Christian that believes Jesus Christ is the Son of God and is our Savior and died on the cross for us, for our sins, and rose for our justification, anybody who believes that is a Christian are in are automatically dubbed by this world standards by the United States standards as Islamophobics. So everybody that claims to be a Christian is an Islamophobic because we believe in doctrines that counter contradict the doctrines of uh, Islam. Flat I'm, out. I'm wondering if that is what is ultimately going to be decided here because that's part of my 
my shock in hearing this. It's not that there – I'm sure that there's obviously this incident that happened with this kid, and it's horrific. I'm sure that there are Muslim people who have uh, felt unsafe, you know, and just, you know, your neighbors and people. But is it going to be defined that it's hateful to disagree ultimately with um, Muslim tenets of the faith, whatever version of it they have? Right. Is that where this goes? Well, in this country, Pastor Scott, no, it shouldn't be. We should have the freedom of speech, not the freedom of beat people over the heads with a bat. But once the dialogue starts to get uh, once they start labeling people in groups like they're doing, uh, calling people with phobia names and things like that, then that's when it becomes divisive and freedom of speech gets shut down. In the name of tolerance, what that really means is silence. So long as you don't say anything, you're tolerant. But the minute you speak up against something, now you're intolerant, and that that can't be tolerated. So it's ridiculous. The the freedom of speech is erosing away. And if it doesn't erode away, well, then, no, we can have dialogues. We can have discussions. We can have debates. And we can maybe come to an understanding and uh, and try to work with each other. But the minute it gets divided up, and look, didn't didn't, uh, Jacob I love, but Esau I hated? Now, hate, I don't really think, is bad in the sense when you're, when you're standing up for righteousness. I, I just don't, well, you, I don't You certainly see that. have to hate evil. The psalmist writes in 97.10, let those who love the Lord hate evil. Right? So yeah. there, there's a place to hate what is evil. So how yeah. do you define hating evil but not hating a person in the sense of uh, you still want their salvation, even though you might hate well, what they do de- or what they represent. Well, Pastor Scott, think about it this way. It all de- depends on the level of which somebody is so polarized that when, when there's no separating that person from what they believe, you know, and that, those are the ones that become the terrorists and, and put their words into actions, and they start hurting people. Yeah. That, I think we stand up against and hate. And I but think when we... somebody is... Yeah, somebody's a, you know, somebody's a Muslim, and they're talking, and they start believing, saying what they believe, and you're allowed to say what you believe, and oh, well, I guess we're going to have to d- agree to disagree and find no harm, no foul. Well, then, there, really, hatred hasn't been fully established. It's only when somebody crosses over the line and becomes intolerant of hearing people speak. Hmm. So uh, I, I don't know. It's very, it's a very fine line, and, be, yeah. and I think we and have a lot on. Yeah, thank you, Bob, for your call. We I want to go on to some others, but I think we see how this gets complicated. It's why I'm thinking about this: is that we're going to have a national, all of a sudden, conversation on uh, Islamophobia, and what? And, and I understand that this is very political. There's an election; it's about votes. I mean, I heard somebody this morning break it down: these you know different groups of people that if the Democrats lose, you know, a certain percentage of Muslims, a certain percentage of Jews, and a certain percentage of uh, black people and whatever other group people are in, uh, then there's no way they can win anywhere. That's probably true. You know, Republicans have their own problem. Republicans just hate each other. You know, if uh, Ron DeSantis, you know, uh, scratches his left nostril instead of his right nostril, he must be a rhino. So we're not going to vote for him. That's the Republican problem. Uh, the Democrats have a pretty serious problem. And I understand that. But I think what's going to happen is it's going to drive a conversation about hate. I think it lands in the lap, ultimately, of uh, probably Christians, maybe Christians and Jews, but I think as you know, Christians, because we're going to object to theological opinion that leads to um, 
concerns. Like, I think there's a legitimate concern that a person should have about terrorism. You know, we have all kinds of examples throughout uh, history, even our own history with that. 888-528-2557 is the number. Ted in L.A., welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Pastor Scott, uh, Ted, to the angels, uh, how are you today, sir? I'm all right. Thank you, Jesus. Um, thank you for your service. Uh, it's just, uh, it has to bring me back to what's going on about, you know, them not saying anything uh, or Kamala not mentioning anything about the Jewish hate that's that's going on, just not, not a stitch of it. And, uh, and it reminds me of what happened in Vietnam when they had children that were strapped with bombs that were going to our uh, military men that had uh, commanders and blowing them up. And then uh, when other servicemen seen their comrades die, they had to shoot kids because they didn't know whether they had bombs or not. And uh, now we're going over to Israel, and uh, the Israelis are, and uh, uh, these kids—they're—they're they're, you know—they're not killing kids. Uh, the enemy is. They're put—they're using kids as shields, just like they did in Vietnam. <clears throat> And, uh, so and what, this is what, what is it, it that generates that hate? In just a few seconds here, Ted. What generates that hate? Generates hate because of the ignorance of not seeing something that they've never experienced. War is not fair. It's, it's ugly. Uh, it's kill or be killed. It's not a SWAT team where you've got to extract people. They can only do so much. But at some point, when you see your comrades die, when you see your family members die, and it isn't just Jewish people that are have been killed and raped. It's people from all over the world. I heard a, a caller mention uh, 9-11. Oh, uh, the, the equivalent, what makes you comfortable with uh, the Americans that died in 9-11? It wasn't just Americans. It was people from all over the world that were killed at uh, the World Trade Center. Yeah. And there's people that have been raped and killed from all over the world in Israel. Yeah, same and they thing happened into- there. I got to go to a break here, Ted. Thank, thank you for calling. You know what I'm what I'm getting at here is, we have defined hate in our culture, sort of academically, in a such a broad way. What is it that is real hate, and how do we avoid it, even against those who might be threatening to us? You know, how do we do that? What does the scripture say about it, and how do we go about loving our neighbor, uh, particularly in a world where you're probably going to be called the hater, even though you're not. Um, you know, in the way that we define it today. I think that's coming. I think that is it's where this goes. It's a lot of what happened even after 9-11. You know, pretty soon uh, you're a hater if you're worried that somebody might have a theological point of view that says they want to kill you. 888-528-2557. William and others, I see your calls. We'll get to you as we come back as the Pastor Scott Show continues this Thursday edition. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. What has now increased is the greater possibility of one of these foreign terrorist organizations uh, directing an attack uh, in the United States. We haven't seen evidence that it's actually happening yet, but what we have seen is, and I listed them off in my opening remarks, one terrorist organization after another calling for attacks. Uh, and so we should we, wake up. It is a time to be concerned. Yeah. Uh, we are in a dangerous period. So is the FBI able to track all threats and prevent these individuals from conducting an attack on U.S. soil? 
I couldn't say that we were able to detect all individuals. Um, the, the people that we know about, as Secretary Rumsfeld uh, used to say, the known known, we're quite good at together with our partners. But it is the unknown unknown uh, that I worry about quite a bit. Welcome back to the Pastor Scott Show. And it's good to be with you. The number is 888-528-2557. That was the FBI Director Ray testifying yesterday. And just talking about how the terrorist threats have gone way up since uh, the October 7th attack in Israel. And, uh, you know, the threats are one thing. We've been under threat before. I guess if you're younger, and I, I try to think about this, because if you live through 9-11, and if you're older and you live through some of the terrorist attacks and hijackings and bombs that went off uh, in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, you know, this is a, a regular thing uh, for a lot of people listening. But if you're younger, you know, if you're 30, you may not even remember 9-11. And you certainly, you know, if you're, and if you're younger than that, you probably don't remember the terrorist attacks that we've had here. We had one in San Bernardino. We had, you know, lots of small, you know, things happen. And by this, I'm talking about specifically here, Islamic terrorism. Okay. There's other domestic terror and things that have happened. Um, but what he's, what the director is talking about is the increase of the threats of Islamic terror. And uh, we've been talking about the increase uh, that's very significant uh, against Jews in particular, some against uh, uh, Islam, but the the White House is responding with an uh, uh, organization to combat homophobia, which made me start thinking, you know, there's obviously a lot of politics that has to do with that, uh, and it's very odd timing, you know, uh, to do that in the face of these protests and things that are happening and the rise of anti-Semitism. But uh, – at the same time, I think where it goes is that you will be considered a hater if you disagree with whatever the narrative is. See, I, I think it goes a lot deeper. I think that the, the problem with the Islamic problem in terrorism is that the, the left wants to make sure that we don't ever take a statement. This is part of the leftist policies that are leading to what's happening in all of our uh, universities way beyond what's happening in Israel and Palestine. The idea is you keep hearing about colonialists, right? And Israel's a colonialist or whatever. And uh, it's just not, by the way. There's, uh, but what all of that stuff is, is that's actually the worst sin, the worst crime, according to leftists, is telling some other culture that they believe something or that they follow um, a point of view that is wrong. Because by saying that, you're colonializing them, right? When I say to the Afghan people, to the Taliban, not the Afghan people, but to the Taliban who rules Afghanistan, that you ought to let girls go to uh, school and you should stop uh, murdering homosexuals. Uh, The reason you don't hear the same people crying out about that is because it's colonialism to tell that culture what to do. You can say that here, but you can't say that to another culture. And it's crazy, this whole line of thinking, but that's a lot of what it is. But the problem is that you become a hater when you decide that a particular philosophy is actually better than another one. And if you have the nerve to say that the philosophy of Hamas is evil, well, you're, you're proclaiming something about their religious fanaticism. You're saying that their God is false and that another God might be right. And if you go down that road then you're going to have a religious conversation, and you can't have that, because as soon as you have a religious conversation, then you're going to have to say, well, this religion's true and this religion's false, and you have to start making those judgments. And if you do that, you might end up having to wrestle with the idea that maybe there is a God, and maybe that God has a name, and maybe that God is the Creator, and maybe that God has said that you need a Savior, and maybe that Savior is Jesus, and then you're going to have to submit to Him, and uh, that's where that conversation goes. Uh, that's, that's a lot of what my opinion is of what this is about. And so 
when you pull all that back, if people start to say um, that there is a difference in value of opinion about things, well, then you're a hater. And what is hate? What What is this? How do we define this better as a society and in particular as a Christian? Uh, 888-528-2557. William in Fullerton. Welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Hi, Hi, William. Go ahead. I can't hear you. Oh, uh, is that better? Yeah, go ahead, William. Okay. A um, couple of things that I wanted to touch on in this uh, conversation we're having about uh, uh, Islam and everything else, uh, it's Islam is basically, it's not a religion. It's a political movement with a uh, religious beard, so to speak. Well, they would say it's a religion with political, you know, overtones. But they would, you know, if you're Islamic, you you would definitely call it a religion. You know, you're, yeah. it's, well, a, it's a world religion. The other thing is that uh, who they call Allah is not the same God of the Bible that the Christians and Jews know as God. Right. I would I would agree um, with that. What is yeah, what, what it, is hate? How is it going to be defined as hate? Is it hate to just disagree? Like you're you're making statements that are your opinion. A Muslim person's going to disagree with you. Is that disagreement hate either way? Uh, it's it's uh yeah. If they want, if somebody wants to hate me, I always kind of remember in the back of my mind that uh, Jesus said, "If they hate me, if they hate you, remember they hated me first. Mm. So. Or something to that effect. Uh, yeah. The uh, an interesting um, speech that was written by Winston Churchill more than a hundred years ago touches on this. It's called the River Wars, and if you ever get a chance to read that speech, uh, this guy hit the nail on the head. He was like a prophet, and uh, at some point in time, when he was a very young man, he 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 describes it almost to a T of what it was. And he, and he contrasts the, the uh, behavior of some Islamic people. <clears throat> they yeah. have splendid qualities. So, but I'll check that out. That might be an interesting read just to see, it, you know, what it, people it, thought it, about it, back then. Yeah. So thank you for calling. Uh, yeah. Okay. Thank you for calling, William. Appreciate that. Uh, what is... You know, how are we going to define hate? Because what, what's concerning me about the political thing is that we're going to define hate as people who just would say that a certain philosophy or way of life is morally wrong. And certainly I think with Hamas, if you read the charter, you're going to say that's morally wrong. But if you're a fundamentalist Muslim, you're going to say, no, that's what we believe. You know, if you're Taliban, if you're Hezbollah, if you're Iran, uh, you're going to say, I think it's hate. I think it's hate to want to eradicate people. Um, but how are we going to deal with that? What does the, the Bible have to say about it? 888-528-2557. Don in West L.A., welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Uh, hi. Uh, yeah, I just was going to say, as far as hate goes, that's a very complex subject. I'd rather not get into it. I, just wanted, I told the caller screener, I wanted to just mention that until you start to take a big step back and see the big picture, which is that basically— Israel was the mastermind of 9/11, and there's a huge. Wait a minute. You think Israel is the mastermind of 9/11? I don't. I don't think it. I know it. I All can right. prove hey, it. Hey, Don, Don, we're not going there. We're not going to go there. 
we know who the mastermind is. He said he was the mastermind. I don't think Israel is behind Osama bin Laden. Uh, 888-528-2557. What I want to hear is, is talk about is, is the idea of hate, because I think that we are, as a culture, trying to define that. And I think it's interesting. There's some biblical stuff we'll give you here in a minute. There, it's interesting, too, because if there's no God and, you know, and there's even movements today that says we shouldn't love. This is part of the communist movement is that you shouldn't fall in love because love leads to family and the family is part of the problem. Right. So you you get into a lot of trouble with the idea of of love. But if you get if there's love, then there's going to be hate. You know, how do we define these things in a way that makes some sense? Eight 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 five two eight two five five seven. Billy and Covina, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Pastor Scott, thank you very much. You know, that's that is a great question. How do we define hate? And I love what Jesus said. He says, "Verily I tell you, uh, you pray for your enemies." My job is simply to plant a seed and get somebody thinking in a different direction, and I need to step out of the way of the Holy Spirit, where His job is to change the hearts of those that that they want in the kingdom. Mm. But for us as individuals, and I know it's hard, it's hard for me to watch the stuff that's going down and the people that are dying for no reason other than I don't believe what you believe. And I just can't imagine what my father in heaven sits there and looks down on his children doing these things, these horrible things. And then those that are so dead inside that think this is okay. Yeah, you know, I think that's, uh, you know, and hate is, uh, you know, Jesus, when he talks about hate too, you know, he talks about, you know, a person who hates his brother is like a murderer. Uh, That is, uh, you know, a challenge to us, right, in a a way Uh, that we might have. I'm always hearing people say, um, and I'm seeing it more and more, God hates gays. And my response to that is, no, God doesn't hate gay people or anybody else. He hates the sin. The evilness of it is what he hates. And he hates the destruction and going against. Yeah. You know, and that's that's something I think for us to really wrestle with is what's hate. And, and I think in the culture, we're going to be told we're haters because we have an opinion. And I think as Christians, in fact, I got to take a break here and I'll get to some calls. Uh, thank you for calling, you. Billy. Appreciate it. Um, I, you know, one of the things I think that we have to look at is, and maybe you think about this during the break, is in the book of Hebrews, we have this great encouragement. It says in Hebrews chapter 12, 14, make every effort to live at peace with everyone. And to be holy, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Uh, Then see to it that no one is sexually immoral or is godless like Esau, and it goes on. Um, It's an important thing, that passage there, make every effort to live at peace with everyone. How do we live at peace when everyone might be calling you a hater? We'll talk about that when we come back. This is the Thursday edition of the Pastor Scott Show. You can follow me on social media. Look for at Pastor Scott Show. Give me a follow. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at Pastor Scott Show. And uh, you can watch us right now at KKLA.com. We'll be back as the Thursday edition continues. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com. Or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. 
Welcome back, everybody. Pastor Scott Show. Great to be with you today. By the way, congratulations, Texas Rangers, winning the World Series, you know, first World Series uh, that they've ever won, 63 years. So happy about that. Anybody watch the World Series? I got to watch uh, quite a bit of it, uh, actually. I think people were thinking, uh, I don't want to watch this. Uh, and uh, But, uh, you know, good for them. And uh, there was no team that I hate in the World Series. That's also good. And uh, is hate wrong if you just can't stand another team? Uh, we're talking about hate and what the definition is of that. The Bible has a lot to say about hate and uh, what it does and what it causes. So I asked the question before about what is the definition of hate? You know, where are we going to? Because I think as a society, we have made it so broad that sometimes hate is just I disagree with you. Um, and we can't do that, especially now that we are looking at some pretty serious things happening. 888-528-2557. David in Culver City, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Thanks for taking my call, Pastor Scott. I've been uh, traveling, and so I haven't been around. But well, good to hear from you. You know, I it's good to it's good to hear you talk too. But you know, I think as a I think a pastor should be a teacher, and I think you've had an opportunity today to do some teaching that I think you missed. I mean, I think when Don called, I think good examples of hate are when Don called and blamed nine eleven on Jewish people. Yeah, that's why that's I hung hate. up on him. That's hateful. But it is no, hateful. No, but I think it's you're right. stands I... to teach. Yeah. And I think also when your other caller called and said Islam is not a religion, it's a, it's a political viewpoint. I mean, Islam is a religion. Yeah, and I said so that you, to you him. It's obviously, it. it's obviously a religion. But, but I think the thing that leads to hate is intolerance. And intolerance leads to hate. And hate means you want to harm people that you disagree with. You, you have intense dislike for them. Yeah. And I think intolerance can be a very dangerous emotion. Can you, I mean, can you be intolerant you know, not, of something and not hate? Like, can I just say we're not going to be – that's a word that's been used actually a lot with what's going on in Israel, right, is that no country would – yesterday the Secretary of State kept saying no country would tolerate this. Um, that, I, I, is I that hate? Can be yes. No, I don't think intolerance necessarily is hate, but I think it can very easily lead to hate. Just to give you an example, you know, um, Nazi Germany, okay? Nazi Germany was one of the most Christian countries in the world, Catholic and Protestant, highly educated. Look what happened. Mm -hmm. I mean, because of there was intolerance of Jews, there was a blaming of Jews because of the what was going on in Germany, but I'm just saying, so... But they also also tolerated, they also tolerated the hate that was coming from Hitler and the Nazis. Uh, You know, they should have been intolerant of that. I agree with you. I agree, but I'm just saying intolerance, especially intolerance of religious point of view, political point of view, and another thing, you know, just as a comment, you might disagree with this, I don't know that we know that God hates anything. You know, I I certainly agree with the purity uh, laws in the Bible, but well, I don't hates, know that he God, hates evil. But we want to keep in I mind that I don't know that, that he hates. Cause you don't think he hates evil? You don't I think, don't know that he hates. No, I'm, I'm sure God hates. God says know, he hates divorce. Doesn't mean that he didn't allow Moses to let it happen. He did in the Old Testament, but he hated it. I you know. I think you can hate divorce, but understand why that happens sometimes. Well, 
the disagreement here is I think God inspired the Bible. I don't think we know God's exact words because I don't believe God speaks in any language we know. Well, I think he probably did pretty well with that. I appreciate, though, your comments, though, and you're right that the, okay. uh, you know, the Israel comment earlier was a hateful one for sure. 888-528-2557. Got a bunch of calls. I'll see if I can get through them here. Frank and Silmar, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Hi, Pastor Scott. Hi, go ahead, Frank. Hi, Pastor Scott. Uh, thank you for taking my call. I, I don't want to get into the political or the religious part of the conversation. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just what I believe, um, you know, as a society or as a person, we might think, we might have thought of, you know, we, we might dislike certain things, but it does not become hate if we do not externalize it. You know, if we do not maliciously externalize our thoughts to affect, to negatively affect another person or um, a group of people, so I would I would believe hate if it becomes hate. Your your thinking becomes when you maliciously do something or or say something to affect another group of people. So you think it's not hate? You can have can you have hate in your heart, but if it doesn't come out, then you you aren't hateful. No, you can you can dislike you can dislike uh-huh. things. But not hate them. Yeah, I, I agree with that. You can dislike and not yeah. hate. And I think you can, you know, I appreciate that. All right, Frank, thanks for calling the Pastor Scott Show. Um, you know, a passage that I, I don't want to miss because we're almost out of time here. I see a bunch of calls here. But the idea of being embittered is uh, that Hebrews chapter 14 talks about is that something happens to us that is a bitter root. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14 and the following, it says, see to it that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. And the idea of the bitter root comes from the book of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 29, 18. It says, make sure that there is no man or woman, clan or tribe among you today whose heart turns away from the Lord, our God, to go and worship the gods of those nations. Make sure there is no root among you that produces such a bitter poison. And in the Hebrews passage, it goes on to say how, see to it that no one falls short of the glory of God, and that no, that's the whole passage, I mean, uh, and that no bitter root grows up. See, when we miss the grace of God, when we miss that, the grace of God, that even the grace of God is good enough for even the worst people that we know, um, then we were on the wrong path. And the bitter root problem is such a huge problem because it it is something that happens in our our hearts and it's bitter because when we hate um we are misunderstanding the root of the gospel and that you know leads to something that um is severe and it's that bitterness in our hearts that ultimately causes the action of hate you know why does somebody kill in the first place you know or why does somebody commit violence or other things there's some reasons but hate has a lot to do with it when you read all the stuff going on in Hamas and the hatred in the Middle East in general and other stuff you see why it comes out in violence because it's hate and it's a bitter root that goes back a long time people have that amongst each other you know i know people who our family who won't talk to each other. There's people that maybe uh, aren't getting invited to Thanksgiving because of a bitter root that has been there for a long time because somebody doesn't have grace, often over something stupid, um, sometimes over something serious. Right? And there are reasons that are good why you may not 
invite uh, you know somebody over because they got an addiction that they're not handling or they're dangerous. There's reasons, right? But there's also stupidity of not having grace for other people the way God has grace for us through Christ. And whenever the hate thing comes to us, and I think that's coming, I think we're going to come back to, at least that's, I don't know if we will or not. It's a weird time. I, but I think that there will be this notion that if you want to call something out as something that should not be tolerated, then it will be called hateful. And there are certain things that can't be tolerated in a society, uh, terrorism being one of them in that way. Um, I got a lot of calls here, Patrick, Michelle, and uh, John. Let me see if I can just get to one person here. Michelle in L.A., welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Hi, Pastor Scott. How are you doing? I'm good. Just a few seconds here. We're almost done for the day. Okay. I just wanted to let you know that there is a government and there is a law. So if anyone, whether it be a Christian, a Jew, a Muslim, that they break the law, they are punished by the law. Mm-hmm. You don't basically kill the entire Muslim society just because a few Muslims killed or a few Christians killed or a few Jews killed. Mm-hmm. Each person is accountable on their own merits of how they lead their life. No person and no race has the, the authority to say who shall live and who shall die. That's God's decision of who shall live and who shall die. If one nation wants to destroy another nation, then then what is God's job here? Then we are playing God with people's lives. And I wanted to ask you, Pastor, we allow all these Muslims into this country. It's like inviting guests or- over to your home. And after they eat your your food, they start burning your home, your flag, yeah. your your, Michelle, I'm, your I'm al- Michelle, I know where you're going. I'm almost out of time here, so I, I appreciate your call. We'll have another conversation, opportunity to call about it. You know, and the thing is, is that when you invite the people over to your house and they start burning down your house, like she's saying, your nation, how do you not hate them? But at the same time, you can't tolerate that. You can't. And I think there is a difference there. We'll have more opportunity to talk about this because I think that issue is one that has to get better defined. But we are out of time for today. This is the Pastor Scott Show. We're on 3 to 5 each and every day, Monday through Friday. And uh, you can follow me at Pastor Scott Show. Get the podcast. Look for the Pastor Scott Show and click subscribe. Everybody have a great evening. God bless. I'll see you tomorrow. Good night. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.